So this morning we're going to get back into Matthew chapter 26. We're going to pick it up in verse 31 this morning. I entitled this morning's uh, message, Watch and Pray. And I want you guys to consider God's gifts with me for a second. God's best gifts are not things, but they're opportunities. And what we call adversity, God calls opportunity. And again, I think for you and I as believers, especially one of those prayers that we should be saying often is, God, can I have your perspective on this situation? Can I see things the way you're seeing them? Because all I'm seeing right now is this happening, you know, because it's affecting me. This is what I, I don't know what's going on over here with these guys. All I know is this. You know, and God wants to trump it all and says, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, but there's a huge picture. There's something real big that I'm up to. And when we get that eternal perspective, his perspective on things, it often changes our heart and it also changes what we end up doing and what our priorities are. So when we go through things that we might call adversity, God often is seeing it as a great opportunity, especially for his kids. So this morning, we're going to jump into this passage. And before I do, I want to lay down a little outline that I found from Warren Wearsby. I loved how he put it, okay, because Peter really missed, and we're going to be looking at Peter quite a bit in this passage, some really important opportunities. And I think we can learn from our brother and not do the same. And I love how Warren put it. He, he said that Peter boasted when he should have listened in verses 32 to 35. And then he said Peter slept when he should have prayed in verses 36 to 46. Peter fought when he should have surrendered in 47 to 56. And then Peter followed when he should have fled for safety in verses 57 to 75. So I like how he put that and how he outlined that. But when the opportunity came to repent, one thing we know about Peter is what? He wept. Okay? He wept. So this morning, guys, I got a little different outline for us here. Uh, very simple. We're going to look at the prophecy of Jesus in verses 31 to 35. We're going to look at the prayer of Jesus and then the persecution of Jesus. Okay, very simple for you and I this morning. So let's take a read at the first part here as we consider prophecy. And again, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy we're told in Revelation. And we see it here in Matthew chapter 26. So let's look at verse 31 together. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. And again, who is he speaking to, guys? The disciples, okay? Those who walked with him, saw the miracles, heard the teachings for three years. You guys are all going to be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I'm pretty cool. I won't, I won't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm the rock you said, right? I'm Peter. I will never be made to stumble. Well, what does Jesus say to him in verse 34? Assuredly, I say to you that you this night before the rooster crows will deny me three times. 
And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. I will never. Those are famous last words, huh? How often is that said? If you guys look at verse 33 with me here, I will not stumble. I will not fall away is what Peter was saying. Peter, drunk with pride right here. Would you guys agree with me? Man, this is like carnal self-confidence. I won't. They may. They may all. But I won't. Because I'm the man. I'm the super. Do you not know Jesus? I'm going to be the first pope. Okay. (laughs) Pride. So Peter did not know how weak he was. So Pete leaning in and whispering maybe to Jesus, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if these other guys, because you know them too, they, they would, but you know me, Jesus, I'll never do it, right? What's going on here? Had he forgotten the traps that life can lay for even the best of men? Had he forgotten that the best can slip up? Had he forgotten that he had his own human weakness? Had he forgotten the traps that life can throw at us? Had he forgotten the strength of the devil's temptations? Peter seemed to have a problem with applying Jesus' commands to himself. Are you good at that? Are you nudging your husband this morning? Hey, buddy, this is for you. I have a tendency to do that once in a while. I'll be reading something, studying through something. Oh, so-and-so should really hear that. A bummer, so-and-so should have been at this men's retreat because let me tell you what, that message was for him. Aren't we good at that? No, God cares about what's going on in our hearts, guys. He loves us. He wants to speak to us this morning. You see, Peter had a problem with that. So do you ever have a problem with that personal application? Have you ever run away from a situation because of your Christianity? Ever denied Jesus by not standing up for what was right or wrong before your friends in different conversations? I don't want us to miss, though, the integrity of Peter. Because Peter, having Mark write down these embarrassing words also, You can read his account. That's really Peter's account, the Gospel of Mark. Okay, there was an integrity there. Yeah, I was a man full of myself. I blew it. I know better. Look at verse 35 here. I will not deny you. So instead of humbly praying, Lord, help me. Had Peter ever prayed that before? Lord, help me? Yeah, he stepped out on the water there in Matthew chapter 4. Pastor, that was so a year and a half ago. Well, it's still in the Word of God. Peter started off well. Lord, help me. Shortest prayer in the Bible. And Jesus was right there. But here, Peter kept on asserting this, this more vehemently. See, Peter was not the only one with pride and boasting of self. Look at there. They all said likewise. All of the disciples. So they were pathetically unaware of that inner 
weakness. Okay? Be careful. I'm so glad we don't have to deal with that at Freedom Fellowship because we're a Bible teaching church and we have it all together as believers here. Oh, shame on us if we think that way. (laughs) We need to stay humble, guys. That's what we see in the scriptures. If we're taking the Bible seriously over and over again, we should really realize we're never arriving. We don't have it. We're just in need as as much of Jesus as when we first got saved as we are today, maybe even decades later of walking with him. So stay humble. Do you empathize here or fail maybe to empathize with Peter's declarations? Let's remember, I'm not okay. You're not okay. But Jesus can fix us both. Amen? Amen? All right. Glad we're on the same page. So we see the prophecy of Jesus here. Now let's go on and look at the prayer of Jesus. In verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and I pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. At least you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed, it's willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and he prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them. He went away again and he prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So I come to the garden alone, kinda. You look at verse 36 here. You guys know that history started in a garden, right? Eden. History is going to end in a garden, okay? They're in heaven, heaven's main street maybe. So in between, we find Jesus in this garden, the garden of Gethsemane, right in the middle. What's up with this garden? Why this garden? What's going on here? Well, in the first garden, guys, we have that first Adam, right? It became a garden of disobedience and sin. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, we have the last Adam, and it became a garden of obedience, of submission. So here we have a passage we almost all fear to read it, for it seems to intrude on this private agony that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was going through. 
It's weird. The 10 are asked to stay back, but you and I are invited in to this prayer. Have you guys ever seen that before? You guys, you stay here. I'm going to go and pray. But for us, we're taken into this prayer. We hear what he is praying. What is going on? Now, Gethsemane means oil press, okay? A press for squeezing the oil out of these olive pits. How many of you guys enjoy some good olive oil? I sure do, okay? It's used for cooking. Back then, they'd use it for uh, hairdressing. It was a salve. Uh, They'd use it even as fuel for their lamps, used for a lot of different things. So that picture, okay, the garden of that press, okay, Um, And then in verse 38, it says, even unto death. This is how Jesus was feeling here. This burden, it's killing me, is what he's saying to me. It's crushing the life out of me. Okay, You guys know he was sweating blood? Think about that. Have you guys ever been that intense in prayer? Well, not even in prayer. Just anything that intense in life. That literally you begin to sweat Drips of blood? That's pretty serious stuff. Like literally, when he said he was being crushed, he meant it. And it wasn't just physically speaking. So he wasn't cringing at this, you know, in the face of physical death. Instead, he was dreading the moment which his father's face would be turned away from him the first time in in history, all time, that fellowship with his father was going to be broken. That's what was crushing him. So that total separation. I don't know what being disfellowshipped with God feels like, but be assured the people in hell today do. They understand that is hell. Being separated from God Almighty, your creator, the one who loved you so much that he was willing to lay down his own life that you could be forgiven and adopted into his family. And you said no. That's hell, guys. So Jesus' prayer here reveal the conflict in the holy, uh, his holy soul as he faced bearing the sins of the world upon the cross and i see god on his face here guys look at verse 39 this comes against that traditional picture you guys know which one i'm talking about jesus there smiling up towards heaven his arms around that rock and he's got that huge glow Woo! halo thing going on man that peter should have read the bible he's on his face sorry I love pictures of Jesus. I don't. I use them once in a while. But we don't really know what he looked like. Doesn't that ever bother you guys? And then the paintings that are used that are just unbiblical. Right here. He's on his face. Okay? God on his face. What a sight. Think about that. So as much as his human nature shrank from the cup, still more did he shrink from any thought of acting contrary to his father's will. But as you will. Nevertheless, the most wonderful, nevertheless in the Bible here. Aren't you guys glad it's here? Nevertheless, 
your will be done. What if Jesus said, this is too much to bear? I can't do it. I can't take this. I want to talk with you guys about the cup of the SWC. Look at this cup with me in verse 39. It's a metaphor for his death. When he's speaking of this cup, he's speaking of the cross, of being tortured, tormented, beaten, pierced to a tree, suffocating to death. So it's staring into the cup that he must drink, seeing the swirling of sins, his own castor oil, what was in this cup. It was a cup of sin, a cup brimming full of jealousy, hatred, covetousness, which he must drink. It was a cup of wrath. As sin bearer, he became the object of the Father's holy wrath against sin. You see, guys, salvation isn't addition or subtraction. It is substitution. You guys understand that? That's what salvation looks like. Someone had to pay the price. It's not, I hope I did enough good and not enough bad to go to that bad place. No, someone had to take our place. It's a cup of curse. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So Jesus would drink the entire chalice of man's sin, of God's wrath, and of law's curse. He drank it all, guys. That's the cup of SWC. Sin, wrath, curse. Guys got it? He took all of that upon himself. Now let's look at Super Pete for a second. <clears throat> Verse 40 here, it was bad enough that James and John were sleeping, but not Super Pete, right? He wouldn't be doing it. Note he singles out Peter. <laughs> I love Jesus here. Okay? Peter. Okay. Mark actually says he used his old name Simon. If you actually go and look at the different accounts. Hey Simon. You know. Uh, so Simon. You'll go to your death with me. But you won't stay awake and pray with me. Really. And I have to ask the question. Do we have that same mentality? I would die for you Lord. But you're asking me to go to women's prayer this Saturday for an hour? Oh, that's a big sacrifice. I could die, but an hour of prayer. Oh, Lord. Hey, if you're convicted, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so think about this with me. I wish, I wish Joe Backman was here today. He's working at the sleep number bed place. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I thought of that when I was thinking about Simon here. He falls asleep how many times? Three times, right? Okay, you also deny the Lord how many times? Three times. So no Simon sleep number on his sleep number bed is number three, okay? Uh, <laughs> anyways, I want to share with you guys a picture. It's called denial. Um, and here it comes. You guys can jot this website down, journeyswiththemessiah.org. Michael Beck, he's a fashion photographer. He's got all these different photos, okay, that are really challenging to see, okay? Like, who's that guy? Who's this guy holding the rooster, right? 
I don't know. But we're all Peter in the same way, aren't we, guys? We can put ourselves in these different people's shoes throughout the Gospels. Man, that could be me. I'm so like that. Okay? I see a lot of Peter in myself as I read the scriptures. I'm like, whoa. I, I think I would do what's right. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I, I could be the one who would deny the Lord. I don't know what would happen in that situation. Don't think too highly of yourself, we're told in the scriptures, lest you fall. Okay? We need to be careful. I want you guys to see what verse 41 is speaking to. It's about being alert. When he tells us to watch and pray, okay, it means to be alert. Be aware as you pray. Some of us have our checklists, okay, our prayer journals. Hey, time to sit down. Check. I'm done. Great. Were you paying attention to what God was doing in your prayer time? What he may have been speaking in wanting you to intercede on behalf of. We've got to be very alert of what's happening in prayer. So keep your spiritual eyes open. Okay? The enemy's near, guys. He's near. He may be here right now throwing those fiery darts. You're hearing truth and Satan doesn't like it. Do you guys know that this is the last thing that our enemy wants us doing? Taking his word serious? Saying, yeah, God, you're right. This is truth. I'm being set free. You're asking me to live it. To walk in light of it. That's the last thing the enemy wants you doing. And that's why he comes. And you'll try to get in there. Try to get you sidetracked. Whatever. Just be careful. Be aware. Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. Jesus sought prayer not for himself, but for them. That's what he was doing. Jesus wasn't pouting. Hey, you guys weren't there for me. But instead he was pleading. Okay? You don't realize the results if you do not pray. Okay? You need to be prayed up. That's why he's on his case there. He wasn't being harsh, demanding. He's like, no, this is what you need. I know what's going down. I've told you guys what's going to happen. It's going to be a rough night. War is going to happen. We need to be prayed up before we go, before we engage. I'll share it with you real quick. Sister yesterday thanked me. Hey, Thank you so much. Those are the words I needed to hear. The exact encouragement that was needed. I haven't heard from this gal for over a decade. Used to be one of my youth kids when I did a youth ministry called Outbreak. Six years she's been working with the homeless. She has a heart. She believes this is what Jesus has put her hands to. She lives down in Florida. She has a heart for these people, loving them. But as we know, sexuality is getting so twisted Satan's having his way. We're calling things okay that God says is wrong, is sin. And there's transgender people that come that they're ministering to there. And the director there has said, hey, it's okay. We can let the men go in the bathrooms with the, the gals. And she's really tripping. She's like, I, I trust you. I need wisdom. And I know that you would have a word of encouragement or would know what to say, what I need. 
because she was ready to walk. She was just so angry. She just wanted to be done with it. And there is that righteous anger. This is just wrong, you know. But I encouraged her, sister, you need to just pray. You are in a battle. You need to be prayed up. You need to be praying for these people that Jesus loves and died for. You need to be praying for your director to have wisdom, okay, to have a godly conviction. Don't let the enemy rip you off from what God's put your hands to. It is completely wrong. I look at it, that is perverse and sick. If I ever see a man walk in a bathroom behind my wife or daughter, I'm going right into that bathroom after him. I don't care. It's wrong. I don't care what he thinks he is. That's just wrong, okay? But that's the day and age I live in. And I hope I'm prayed up in such a way that I have an opportunity not to kick this guy's butt, but my heart would be right to share Jesus Christ with him, that he would come to a saving knowledge of who he is. Because let me tell you what, the enemy is at work. And we are in this world. And he's the God of this world. And he's having his way right now. Okay, We are choosing to deny God and follow him in his lies. And we're going to reap the consequences of it. But that means we need to be prayed up that much more as believers, brothers and sisters. We need to be ready with the gospel for whatever comes our way. I encourage you guys, be prayed up. Don't let the enemy get in there. So let's make it practical. We talked about application. What temptations were there about or were they about to face here? Well, the temptation there for these guys, well, was to doubt or let's scatter. Let's deny him. The temptation to lose faith or lose trust or lose hope. I think we face those same things today. Would their outcome have been different if they would have been prayed up for that hour God asked them to pray? I probably think they would have been. Would you guys agree with me? Let me tell you what, I love times of prayer. Some of the best ministry, fruitful ministry I feel during the week is after I've spent some time in prayer, you know? Tuesday mornings, I have a time of prayer. I get together with guys and pray for an hour, but oftentimes I have an hour beforehand and an hour afterwards of just prayer too. There's a lot. And there's times I just need to turn my phone off and I'm just like, I'm seeking you. There is so much going on this week. I don't know what's going to happen today. What phone call is going to happen? Who's going to go through what? What's I'm going to go through? But I need to be ready. I need to be prepared Okay? And we need to be in that place, guys, where we carve out that time. And I know we're all busy. We have our stuff. But make a point. I think daily prayer is really important, but I think it's good to carve out a time during the week where it's not just, hey, I had my 15 minutes in prayer this morning, but I had time to really be still, really to listen, really to cry out to him. And I think an hour is a great, great example for you and I. Just an hour. Good place to start. Maybe it's once a week. If you make it happen once a day, great. Okay? But I think here, you know, would that make a difference for them? Absolutely. And wouldn't it for us too? Absolutely. So ask your will. Will, are you ready to pray for an hour? When it replies yes, then link arms with your will. 
and know that the traitorous emotions will begin kicking, screaming, biting, fighting. It will be weary, wrestle with those contrary emotions, trant imaginations. Even your stinking smartphone will start beeping your calendar reminders of what you need to do trying to get your attention. Some emotions will come with a clenched jaw. Others will be velvetly voiced, but seeking the same one thing or another, and it's your distraction. Be aware. Well, prayer sounds good, Pastor. I'm going to try it. You guys who pray, you know what I'm talking about here. Oh, I need to pray right now. I just heard. And we fall to our knees. And literally 30 seconds later, our mind is completely somewhere else. What just happened? Okay. Be aware. At least he recognizes that the Spirit was willing here, right? So is my Spirit even willing? I think that's the question. Or is it also weak? 42, I think <laughs> Jesus was saying the same prayer. Are you guys like, wow? I thought you were the one who taught about repetition in prayer. It's a no-no. And you're doing it. What's up, dude? Well, Jesus, I guess if he you know, wants us to pray sometimes more than once, you know, the same petition, it's good. That's what he exemplified. That's what he did here. So was Jesus' prayers heard? Luke actually tells us that when he was in Gethsemane, the third time that he prayed, an angel came to minister to him. I think that's pretty cool. His prayers were being heard. Now, what I'm about to say, I want everybody here to catch. Don't miss this. Thus the Father answered, not taking away the cup, but helping. He did this by helping him endure the cup. That's how the prayer was answered. So many of us pray, we're going through something. I'm not healed. The circumstance hasn't changed. Where's the victory? Oftentimes, guys, that's not what God is doing. Okay? Well, of course that's what God's doing. Ain't I at a prosperity gospel preaching church here this morning? Doesn't God do what I think is best? Doesn't he do what I say when I pray it in faith? Doesn't he want me to be healthy and wealthy all the time? Okay? That stinks. Honestly, guys, I got a friend right now, totally blessed. Their ministry was given a chunk of change for a new church building. It'd be awesome. It's a chunk of change that would pay our building off. You know, like what a blessing. And he, for the last three weeks, I am so overwhelmed. I wish we never had this. You know, it's just the responsibility, the burden. And if we're healthy all the time, we never die. I don't know about you guys. I'm okay dying. You know, it's going to happen. We're going to get sick. We all go through it. We all break. We all get sick. Okay. God heals us whether through medicines, doctors, or he just heals us. He can do whatever he wants. And some of us don't get healed. Great, going to heaven. You know, it's one of those things, guys. The point I want us to catch is whatever cup we have, <laughs> he's helping us to endure that cup. That's what we get as Christians. You know, 
Yeah, sometimes things may change and get fixed. Praise the Lord. Most times, at least in my experience, it doesn't happen. But God is there with me through it, and I grow a lot through it. And I can look back, and I can say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Okay? Some of you guys know I struggle with depression. I wish I could tell you guys it's completely gone. I can say since January, it's a little better than it's been. I've had good days, which I didn't have for years, but I still have some really horrible days. And I can tell you guys the prayer I said almost six years ago when I went through it, when I hit that wall, complete burnout, panic attacks, thinking I'm having heart attacks. I prayed when the depression hit, Lord, I don't get this. This is more horrible than I ever thought it could possibly be. I've ministered to people who struggled. I didn't had no clue what they went through until now. But I remember praying, Lord, if this is something that you're going to use to grow me, something that you'll use for your glory, I'll have it to the day I die. It's been really hard. I would want to say that prayer again. <laughs> I don't know if I would, but I can be honest with you guys and say that I am thankful because God has grown me and done a lot through me. And I've seen lives radically change because I'm, I'm able to come and minister to people the truth of the gospel, his word to people are struggling with that in ways I never was able before. People that I believe probably would have taken their life but now have hope, even though they still struggle, they're able to stand in truth and see that there is a purpose that God has given them life for a reason. And yeah, we go on. And God is there with us despite all the darkness, the cloud, the hardship, the pain, the hurts. He's there. That's our God. And all of us have a cup. You don't have to have depression. Okay? We all go through something. We all have a cup to bear. Whatever it is, God may not take it away. It may be his will for you to walk through it. But let me tell you guys, he's there with you to help you endure it. Amen? Amen. So, brothers and sisters, he will respond to your prayers. Okay? He will. He's not going to be any different than how he was with Jesus here. Okay? You are a son or a daughter of the king also. So, verse 45 talks about the hour here. What is he speaking of? It's the hour of his betrayal. The hour for trial. The hour for crucifixion. Fiction. So in verse 46, how do we deal with our own Gethsemanes? Well, I'm glad you asked exactly how Jesus dealt with it. Well, how did he do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. With dependent prayer. Did you guys see that? All things are possible with you, Mark 14, 36 says. So there was a 100 dependency upon God. Okay? Him alone. So many times we think we need to do our part. You know, if I finagle over here, if I get in contact with them and persuade them this way, then things may shake out with God's help, of course. No, there's times where we just got to say, hey, it's all you, 100% God. This is so beyond me. This is the cup you've asked me to bear. It's all you. And I'm putting it all, I'm casting the whole 
1 Peter 5, 7, all my cares upon you, knowing that you care for me, I'm going to cast it all upon you. Secondly, it has to be with intense prayer. Did you guys see verse 37 and 38? He was sorrowful and deeply distressed. Okay, so there's intense prayer. Oh God, I know you just know. Amen. Hey, if your heart's in it, God bless you, brother or sister. He does know. But God loves you and you can be real with him. And when you're going through some intense stuff, our prayers should match. They should be intense also. Also with honest prayer, let this cup pass from me. Man, I thought it was a joy for you to go to the cross. The joy that was set before you, put that in your word. And now you're saying you don't want to do it? What's the deal? No, God wants us to be real. And there are things that are in our hearts that we know are right. And because they are right, it is a joy. But it's still hard. And we can be very real with that. And it can be the littlest of things. And God, you're asking me to love my wife? Oh. <laughs> be real about it. Be honest. Lord, I'm struggling right now. It used to be sweet. But it's just hard now. Am I the only one that's gone through seasons in marriage? Oh boy. I'm calling you guys for counsel then. <laughs> guys, there's just things that we need to be honest with God with. We just need, it doesn't matter how normal it may be in life. You know, it may be something that you know it's just a season. We have our ups and our downs. God knows, but be honest in it. Whatever you're going through, that's what he wants. And there may be those heart cries where it's, Lord, let this cup pass from me. This is really hard right now. I don't want to go to school today. I hate finals. You know, just be honest with him. Also be submissive in your prayer, in your heart. Nevertheless, I hope you guys have that circled in verse 39. Nevertheless. I think that's one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. But I know better than God. I'm praying this because I know this is what's right. No, I'm honest here. This would be a wonderful thing. But nevertheless, okay, that submissive heart prayer. And also let it be an intimate prayer. Verse 39. Oh, my father, daddy. Oh, I love it. I'm going to share. Sonny's not here. Sloan's not here. I get greedy as a parent. I love when she gets hurt. I don't love seeing my daughter hurt. But when she's really hurt, she goes to mom for everything. Like everything is mom, mom. But if she is really scared or really hurt, you know where she runs? I love that. I love it, guys. And I think that's exactly what our Heavenly Father wants. There's times where he just wants us to be crying out, Daddy, <laughs> I just need you. I need you to hold me. I need you right now. I need to climb up in your lap and snuggle. I just need to be with you right now. And that's okay. And I love the intimacy there. You guys know that no one was able to call God Father in all of the Old Testament? And here we find the New Testament. We see Jesus calling his dad Father. He taught us to pray when you pray. Our Father, that relationship, that intimacy, 
Paul writes in Galatians, when we're born again in the Spirit, we're going to know because our Spirit's going to testify by crying out what? Abba, Daddy, okay? That's it, guys. So have that intimate prayer. And then the last thing I see in verse 39 is that surrendered prayer heart. Not as I will, but as you will. Are you surrendered to God? Oftentimes, dependent prayer won't deliver us from the Gethsemanes. More often, it deliver us, delivers us through them. Amen? Amen. All right, let's wrap it up with the last part of this simple outline, the persecution of Jesus. We'll pick it up in verse 47. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve... With a great multitude with swords and clubs. Try to picture this in your head. They came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, he's the one. Seize him. Immediately went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? And then they came and they laid hands on Jesus and they took him. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword. You guys know who this is? It's Peter. He struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father? And he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. And then could the scripture, or how could then the scripture be fulfilled that it must happen thus? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Now in verse 47, Judas, one of the 12, if you look back in verse 43, which really made this crime even that more heinous. Okay, Judas, seller of the Savior. Okay, turning in Jesus here. Uh, the one who would commit suicide First commits homicide and attempts deicide. That's an attempt on the life of God, okay, if that were possible. But look at verse 48. A signal was given. Why? Because it was really dark out. Okay, they had the lanterns with them, we're told. Maybe the moon was shining that night, okay? Everybody would have been dressed similarly. Most would have long hair, facial hair. They would speak in that similar dialect there in Galilee. So a signal was needed. And it was sealed with what? A kiss. A kiss of death. The most in, infamous kiss of all time. You guys can jot down Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So imagine this personal hurt to Jesus to have Judas betray him. Judas had been handpicked, wasn't he? You're going to be one of the 12. You're going to follow me. Okay, he was one of Jesus' closest friends. He had been given that special responsibility to be treasurer of the entire band of the disciples. Maybe you've been betrayed by a spouse. Maybe you've been betrayed by a friend who gossiped about you and now your reputation's ruined. 
Maybe a family member. Maybe a coworker. You know, who took credit for what you've been doing. Maybe it's, you know, the place you worked for, your company. They fired you right before you're about to retire. Maybe it's a business partner who persistently shoves you aside. I don't know. We all have those things, don't we? It could be whatever. But the point is, then you'll understand. If you've gone through those type of hurts, you're going to understand a little something of the emotional suffering that Jesus had to go through here. Don't miss it, guys. Jesus is God, and sometimes I think we think, well, he's God. He's got it. He handled it. No, he, he went through it like we go through it. He emptied himself, kaleo, literally. Okay? He became like you and I, still God, but totally human. Emotions and all. He understood. He went through it. That's why it's so cool that when we pray, we have a high priest who can sympathize with us. As Hebrews tells us, he understands. We don't have to think that, God, you just don't get it. If you were ever human, you would know how hard this is. No, we can't play that card, can we, guys? He totally understands. Verse 49, we're told that he kissed him. In the New Testament, we have phileo. It's a kiss. It's being friendly. But here, it's cataphileo. It's to kiss thoroughly or being very friendly. So, the kata makes it intensive, indicating a prolonged kissing. And catch this, guys. The same word is used when the woman came and kissed the feet of Jesus. Or the same word when it was used of the prodigal son returning home and the father kissed him. It's the same word that was used by the Ephesian Christians in their farewell to Paul. So the betraying kiss of Judas, the grimiest, most awful thing in the entire gospel story. I don't know about you guys. This is, seriously, dude? Judas? What are you thinking? What are you doing? Okay, Judas' kiss showed how low a human heart could go. But Jesus' response showed how high a heart could soar. Friend, why have you come? Wow. Does that sound like a second chance? Friend? Jesus knew why he was there. Why have you come? Verse 51, this was probably just too much for Peter to stand there and to take. You know, Peter was a man of action. So he severs the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant there. But Jesus offers no resistance to his arrest, does he? And he doesn't want any well-meaning interventions on his behalf. Be, we, we must learn never to fight spiritual battles with physical weapons. And I think that's hard for us in our human nature. But if we're born again of the Spirit of God, we need to learn that. You can jot down 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, they're not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Pretty cool. I'll take those any day. Okay? So I go back to those old ones. So had Jesus not healed Melchus, I want you guys to think about this. If he didn't heal Melchus, Peter would have been arrested as well, and there probably would have been four crosses up upon that hill the next day. 
Think about that. And if there were four crosses on Calvary, then there wouldn't be an awesome sermon after Pentecost by Peter where 3,000 then later 5,000 people get saved. In the first five chapters of Acts, we want to have those stories because Peter's dead. Thank you, Jesus. I like those scriptures. I don't know about you guys, but thanks, Jesus. And if Peter succeeded, he would have kept Jesus from going to the cross. So how easy is it to be out of step with Jesus when we're thinking of serving him or even defending him? Put yourself in Peter's shoes for a moment. How easily do we do the same thing, guys? Well, this is good. It's a good cause. It's for the glory of Christ. Of course I should do this. See, we don't fight for his kingdom. We sacrifice. We suffer. We surrender for his kingdom. You guys remember Jesus' last miracle? The most beautiful and touching of them all? He kept the best wine, the best miracle until the last. Jesus' great text we find in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 45, now his greatest illustration. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. He practiced what he preached. Jesus' grace shined through not only in the ear that night, but when he walked towards Gethsemane, knowing Judas was going to betray him. When he went into Gethsemane, he surrendered there to the Father's will. When he protected his disciples, he told them to let them go in John's gospel. And when he yielded himself into the hands of sinners that he might suffer and die for us. So Peter, he made every mistake possible. Do you guys have verse 51 there in your Bible? He fought the wrong enemy, he used the wrong weapon, and he had the wrong motive. And accomplished the wrong result. Yay, Team Pope! He simply imitated the officers who came to arrest him, or arrest Jesus. That's what he did. Well, the world acts like that. Mm, slam them too on Facebook. You see, in doing so, he openly resisted the will of God in hindering the work that Jesus came to accomplish. So how did he get to this place? It was from prayerlessness. That's how he got there. We see why it was so specifically important for Peter to be praying. Peter, I want you to come. You're going to come pray with me. I'm going to go over there. You pray. Hey, why are you sleepy? <laughs> I'm going to go back over there. You pray. Pray, Peter. It's because when crisis came, guys, he reached for the wrong sword. Simon Peter did damage to other human beings, which is characteristic of people who are not prayed up. We become hateful and hurtful, bitter and ugly in our relationships with others and our dealings with them. 
That's why when we minister, guys, we need to be prayed up. Remember, one of the things I really enjoyed when I was in Bible college was the week of school being done. Yes, weekend's here. It's Friday. Let's go party. No, we didn't party on Friday nights. We'd jump in a car and drive an hour, hour and a half to one of the coast cities, and we'd go and evangelize, street preach. Loved doing that. But what we would do for the first hour to two hours would be pray. We would pray and pray. Because we know that's where the battle was going to be won. We knew that we had to be ready. Our hearts needed to be ready before we went and shared with others. I want to encourage you guys, any ministry you do, even if you come down on a Wednesday, well, I got hands, you know, I'm willing to come down and help feed the poor, whatever is needed. Pray before you come. Pray on your way there. We need to be prayed up in the littlest of things. Mom, dad, be prayed up before you wake your kids up in the morning and they get ready, okay? You need to be ready. Ministry is taking place the second they're up. We need to be ready. When we come to church, did you guys pray before you came? Lord, I really love my Bible teaching church because that's where I'm growing. I'm getting fed. If you're not doing nothing with that, you're getting fat. That's not good. I hope you guys pray, Lord, let me be a vessel today that you can use as I gather with my brothers and sisters. How can I pray for them? How can I encourage them? How can I build them up? How can I serve my church family today? We need to be in that place of being prayed up because we don't know what we're going to face. We don't know what any day is going to throw our way or come our way. So the result of Jesus' prayer, I think it's pretty cool in verse 52. The passage begins with Jesus on his face and it ends with him on his feet. I think that's the way we should roll, guys. Begin on your face, end on your feet. The passage belongs or begins here with Jesus' humanity wanting to give up, but with him ready to get started. And this passage begins with Jesus wanting to walk away, but it ends with him ready for confrontation. He's re-energized. Check out Isaiah 40, 31. Yeah, I put it up here for you guys. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Is that a promise? Sure sounds like a promise to me. I like it. 8,000 promises in the Bible. This is a good one. Circle it. Know it. Believe it. And then Peter took in verse 54 up a sword, but Jesus took a cup. So never fear the cup that the Father has prepared for you. Jesus, how did you do it? <laughs> he could submit to the abuse of men because he had already submitted to the will of God. That's how he could do it. So what's in your hand today? A sword or a cup? Let's stand together and we'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for how the scriptures, your word, uh, reveals just so much of who you are. God, what you are like, what you care about, what you think about things. We even have a whole book in the Bible about the revelation of who you are, Jesus. 
But we're grateful this morning for this little glimpse that we got to see you in the garden. God, and we pray that we would learn from your example, that we would learn to sacrifice, Lord, to lay down our lives as you did. God, that we would be able to say like you did, nevertheless, but your will be done. God, we want your will. And I do want to pray for my brothers and sisters, many here today facing new trials. We can look back and see that you've been faithful. But every new one, it's always a challenge. (laughs) Faith is always stretched. I do want to pray and ask on behalf of my brothers and sisters that you would just meet them in the midst of those things. Encourage them, let them know that you are there with them, through it, whatever it is, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you know best. I do pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be sensitive to your spirit, that when our our flesh is weak, God, that we would even more so find ourselves on our faces before you, crying out, being real, that you'd meet with us, speak to us, Encourage us, just like this passage that we found in Isaiah, how sweet it is to wait upon you, knowing that you'll renew our strength in those times. And uh, we pray that you would do that for us today. We pray you go before us this week. Give us opportunity, Lord, just to shine for you. God, and help us to see whatever we're going through, even adverse things, that that's an opportunity that you can do something in. Help us to get that big picture. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.